Hello and welcome to the Trinity Fit Over 40 podcast with me, Rob Burkhead. I'm one of the co-founders of Trinity Transformation and we are the creators of the Fit Over 40 method. And together with our world-class coaching team, we've helped more than 6,000 women over 40 to fit back into their favorite clothes over the past decade. And for more information about what we do, go to www.fit40info.com. Now, today's episode is a solo episode with me as Ben's away. And I'm going to reveal today the seven hacks to drop five to 10 pounds after a holiday around menopause. So sit back and relax and welcome to today's podcast. So the start of September marks the end of holiday season for many of the women we work with. Summer's always full of a lot of challenges from barbecues to weddings to holidays. And it can be really, really hard to stay consistent with good eating and exercise habits around this time. And it's not uncommon for a few pounds to creep up on the scales and for the clothes to be starting to feel tighter again as well. And especially when you combine all of that with the changes happening around menopause, it can be way more challenging to avoid gaining weight and much harder to lose it again. However, the good news is September is a great time to refocus on your health and fitness. As for most people, there's a lot less socializing and things are a little bit more routine. And with the right approach, it's possible to drop five to 10 pounds in the next month alone, even around menopause. So I'm gonna show you exactly how to do that today. So the first thing I would suggest you do is to not rush into the classic post-holiday diet. And I know this can be really, really tempting to go, let's really cut my calories or cut out carbs or do tons of cardio, get to the gym, or start running. And these things may have worked well for you in your 20s and 30s when your body and hormones are working more optimally. But these things will actually make things worse over 40 and around menopause, especially in the long term. The reason being is, first of all, if you just starve yourself and do tons of cardio, you're actually going to end up burning loads of muscle. And this is muscle is a kind of expensive resource, and it's something that makes you firm and toned and youthful. It's why people when they're younger, they naturally hold on to this muscle really easily. So someone who's 20 might be really firm and toned. And one of the main reasons is they have a lot more muscle naturally. After the age of 30, you start to lose this muscle um, and you lose quite a significant percentage every decade. And if you then do a load of extreme dieting and cardio, both of these things are catabolic, meaning they will burn muscle even more. So it will just accelerate the aging process every time you do one of these crash diets. As you get older, it'll make you flabbier and saggier, it'll make your bum droopier and blend into your legs. And it will make you look a hell of a lot older a lot more quickly. So I would recommend avoiding that if that's important to you. The other reason you don't want to do a load of extreme approaches after the holiday is if you do these extreme approaches, it is possible you will overstress the body and trigger the weight gain triangle because around menopause, and this can start from your early 40s, so female sex hormones start to change, but it isn't just those hormones that are changing, also the body sensitivity to stress changes. And if you've already got a stressful job and a chaotic family life and you're looking after children and aging parents, chances are your stress levels are already pretty high. And what will happen is your cortisol levels will end up higher for longer as you're older, just from the same stress that you experience when you're younger. And then if you then add all these stressful things on top of it, so low calorie starvation diet is another form of stress, body interprets it the same way. Tons of cardio, again, can be very high intensity and stressful as well, especially things like HIIT and gym classes. What will then happen is you can trigger what's called the weight gain triangle. 
And these are three additional hormonal things that will happen that will make it much harder to lose weight, much easier to gain it. So this is leptin resistance, insulin resistance, and thyroid deregulation, which basically leads to increased cravings as leptin is a satiety hormone, increased fat storage, because insulin is a storage hormone, especially around the middle, so that middle-aged spread, and a slower metabolism, because your thyroid is the gland in your throat that controls your metabolism. So what will happen is maybe you'll see some initial quick losses if you did an extreme approach after the holiday season. Maybe, may not happen at all. I've spoken to lots and lots of women after menopause, or around menopause, sorry, who have not seen any changes doing these extreme approaches anymore or very, very minimal changes. But even if you did see quick initial losses, you're going to set yourself up to fail in the long run, not even you know years down the line. In a few weeks, it's going to grind to a halt and there's nothing you're going to be able to do and you're going to have lost a load of muscle in the process. So let me tell you a better way of doing this, a way to lose the holiday weight fast and sustainably around menopause. So there's seven steps to this. The first thing I'd recommend doing is what we call a diet makeover. So this is actually a pretty simple process, not necessarily always easy just because it's simple, but it involves cutting out the four main problem foods um, around menopause. So we call these the WADS foods, wheat, alcohol, dairy, and sugar. And they're often all things that are over-consumed during the summer months. So you might have bread with every meal. You know, they often bring that out if you've been on a European holiday before the meal. You might have bread at breakfast every single day, whether it's toast or whether it's pastries. You might also be having a couple of glasses of wine in the evening to wind down or, or a cocktail or two or a gin and tonic. And if you've got a holiday to France, you might be having too much cheese. And then you may also have lots of regular desserts. So that's that wheat, alcohol, dairy and sugar. And the problem with these foods are that firstly, they're all really calorie dense and that means they've just got loads and loads of energy in them. And it's very, very hard to burn that off, especially if you're not doing tons of exercise all the time. The second issue with them is the more you have, the more you want, especially with anything with sugar and um, with alcohol. Both of these things um, affect your body in, in a way which will create a vicious cycle of wanting more and more and more. So alcohol is a sedative and it actually, um, your body compensates to that sort of sedative effect of alcohol by releasing more stimulants um, from the brain. And then you feel stressed and even more sort of agitated and overwhelmed and anxious until you have another drink. So it's actually creating the stimulus for another drink. So you then get on this roller coaster of every day, craving that drink, getting to the end of the work day and saying, I just need a drink. The same happens with sugar, but slightly different. So with sugar, it creates a big blood sugar spike if you eat something really sugary, chocolate, sweets, biscuits, and then a big, big blood sugar crash very quickly because there's no longevity in sugary products. There's no um, nothing to slow the digestion down. They digest very quickly. It's a big flash of energy and then a big crash of energy. And when you get that crash, your body is then going to need to replace, you know, get your blood sugar levels back up, and that will mean you crave more sugar. So you create this sugar roller coaster of cravings, energy up and down, up and down. And all of this makes menopause symptoms way, way worse as well. So sugar and alcohol especially will make hot flushes, night sweats, mood swings, and joint aches and pains a lot worse. But dairy and wheat can also do that. So I speak to clients every single week whose joint aches and pains have almost gone away entirely or completely gone away after eliminating wheat and dairy for a little bit and then figuring out which of the two, or maybe it's both occasionally, but usually it's one or the other, often it's wheat or dairy where people have a little bit of an intolerance to, which is exacerbated around menopause. And these things can then cause a lot of inflammation if you've got an intolerance to it, which will then make your joint aches and pains much worse. So if you cut these foods out, what we call the WADS foods, it will first of all break any bad habits with them because I've explained all the reasons you don't want to have them all the time. 
it will also stop your cravings. It will eliminate your cravings by breaking that cycle and it will get the scales again moving fast. And the analogy I always give to our clients is it's like resetting an old computer. If you remember the old sort of beige tower computers you'd have or even the flat ones you had on the desk, they made all these crunching noises as they got slower and slower, as the computer started to run worse and worse. The only way to get it to run okay again was to turn it off and turn it on again, to do a hard reset. And it's the same with your body. If you just keep trying to plow on having a little bit less sugar, or a little bit less alcohol, the problem is you're hooked on this vicious cycle, this roller coaster, which is creating the cravings. The only way to stop them is to do a hard reset and cut them out for a couple of weeks. And then things will be way easier. You'll also improve things like your gut microbiome, which also controls a lot of your cravings. And then you can actually get to eating better. Without doing this, it's so hard to get to eating better in my experience. So I would cut these things out entirely for one to two weeks, two weeks ideally. And then you can have a bit more flexibility. So then I suggest avoiding them 80% of the time. So you can still have them, but they should not be a staple. So wheat, alcohol, dairy, and sugar should not be something you're having every day or most days. If you're doing that, you're gonna really struggle to see good results around menopause. So that is the first thing I'd recommend. And we have clients do this all the time at the beginning of our Fit Over 40 program, and they lose five to 10 pounds very quickly and easily, often within the first couple of weeks, if not within the first month. Now, the second thing I'd recommend you do after a holiday is to drink plenty of water. A lot of people um, find they're quite bloated after a holiday, and this is for a lot of different reasons. So flying, if you've flown on holiday, that can cause bloating due to the pressure in the cabin. Eating foods containing a lot more carbs than you usually would, or a lot more salt than you usually would. So especially if you go away and eat out in restaurants, they usually use a lot more salt than you would at home. Salt and carbs both cause water retention. So they cause your body to hold on to more water, and this can actually easily add a few pounds on the scales and make you feel very, very bloated. And this is a temporary weight increase, but if you drink lots of water, you'll flush that out so much quicker. So Ironically, if you want to reduce your water retention, you actually want to drink more water because then your body knows there's more water coming in. It'll also dilute that salt down. And then what it will do is your body will start to release some of that water and reduce the bloating because it knows there's plentiful supply of water so it won't hold on to it like a camel. So then you'll quickly and easily get back to your true weight. Um, I would recommend you have a glass of water when you wake up and then a glass of water with every meal. And then also, if you're watching the video version, you can see I've got my Trinity water bottle here carry a good water bottle around with you and fill it up at least once in the morning and once in the afternoon and then you should be getting a decent amount now how much is the perfect amount depends on the person this you know, if you're a bigger person you will need a bit more because you've got a larger body and more water in it um but i would recommend drinking somewhere between one and a half and two liters a day ideally but it i don't tend to find like measuring all of this up can become quite tiresome so i just try and have a glass with every meal and then drink that water bottle one in the morning, one in the afternoon, and that'll be much easier to stick to. Moving on, the next thing I'd recommend you do is to make sure you're being active in that first week back because it's very easy to come back from holiday or to go back into the work routine. You've got a mountain of work to catch up on. You've got meetings back to back all day, and it can be very, very hard to shift the holiday weight if you're sedentary. Like a lot of the women we work with are in desk-based jobs, pretty much all of them, and it's not uncommon for them to be doing 2,000 steps a day, 3,000 steps a day maximum when we start working together. And the problem with this is firstly, your metabolism grinds to a halt if you're stationary all day. If you just don't move, it will grind to a halt, preserve energy, because you're not doing anything. And secondly, the majority of extra calories burnt throughout the day, beyond just your basal metabolic rate, so the calories you burn just living, so your heartbeat, your lungs, you know, your brain working, all of that stuff, which is fairly steady. 
the majority of extra calories burned, which a lot of people call fast metabolism or slow metabolism, is actually just from general movement. So fidgeting, walking, moving throughout the day. This is where most of the calorie burns. Not it does not come from workouts, unless you're some sort of crazy endurance athlete doing like Ironmans and things like that. Workouts are pretty minor in terms of calorie burn. So if you do a thousand steps, you burn about forty calories. It doesn't sound like a lot, but if you did ten thousand steps in a day, and you don't have to do that many, but if you did, it's four hundred extra calories a day. That's quite significant. That's about an additional healthy meal, nearly. Now. If we compare that to some extreme cardio, let's say you did a 30 minute spin class or you run 5K, which can be quite hard. So I did 30 minutes of intervals yesterday on a bike. Um, it was really, really tough. Took a lot of mental energy to get through. I was drenched in sweat, I was exhausted. And it was about 300 calories burnt according to my, my fitness tracker. And bear in mind fitness trackers, a lot of the research shows they overestimate calories burned as well. Somewhere between one and a half and two times a lot of the time. So. When you're doing this hard exercise, actually exercise isn't a very good way to burn calories. There's other reasons to exercise, so to build and retain muscle, which will make you more firm, more toned, more youthful, stronger, look way better, change your body shape. But exercise to burn calories is really ineffective unless you're able to do tons of it. You know, like I'm gonna go on a three hour, four hour cycle today, something like that, which most people don't have time to do and don't really have the inclination to do. So the much easier way to burn some more calories is to do it by getting more steps in. Because that 30 minute spin class or that 5K run, which most people are not even doing every single day, you burn a lot more calories walking 10,000 steps. And also walking 10,000 steps is way gentler on the body and therefore far more effective around menopause because it's not gonna overstress the body and trigger that weight gain triangle we talked about earlier. It's gonna keep you in a much better sort of fat burning state. Now, you don't have to hit 10,000 calories. That was just an example. It's an arbitrary number. Um, finally, there was been some recent news articles talking about how maybe 5,000 is a more appropriate number. And that's what we've always recommended to clients is just make sure you're doing over 5,000 steps a day because below that is very sedentary and your metabolism is going to grow as a whole and it's going to be very hard to lose weight without starving yourself. And if you starve yourself, you cause a load of other problems I talked about at the beginning. So I would suggest trying to do that, whether that's getting a 15 minute walk in at lunch, that's not too long, just walk around the block, put some music on you like, it will actually boost your mood and energy. We need to get sunlight too. Um, for vitamin D and for health reasons and mental health as well. Whether it's um, just walking around, pacing around your office whilst you're on the phone, that also really counts. Or walking, let's say you work in an office, walking to the toilet that's a little bit further away. I used to do that when I worked in, a, in an office in my last sort of real job. And if you do that, it'll be way easier to get your weight kind of steadily coming down after that holiday than steadily going up or staying the same. It's gonna be much more important to get that in than actually any structured workouts to get that initial weight loss. For long-term toning up, it's very important to do the right type of exercise, but just short-term, steps is gonna be the best way to do it. Okay, the next thing I would consider doing is to make sure you're getting enough protein because a lot of diets are about cutting back and a lot of people have been taught this by a lot of sort of extreme unhealthy diets, which may have worked in your 20s and 30s, but don't work well as you get older. But the problem with this is a lot of the time cutting back is at the expense of a lot of things that will actually make weight loss, weight loss a lot easier, um, especially around menopause. So in my experience, worked with about six and a half thousand women around menopause. Most women are eating about half as much protein as they need to thrive around menopause. And contrary to popular belief, the amount of protein people actually need increases with age, and this includes women. Um, and this is especially around menopause where it's easy for the body to lose muscle and cravings to go through the roof. So eating more protein really helps with cravings, first of all. 
as protein digests very slowly. It's like putting a big log on a fire rather than a piece of paper on a fire. A piece of paper will just go and it's burnt or petrol on the fire, like sugar is a bit like pouring petrol on the fire. It's a big flash of energy and it's gone. Our log will burn for hours. The protein is the same kind of thing. When you eat protein, whether that's chicken breast, whether it's tofu, whether that's fish, whether it's cottage cheese, whether it's, um, trying to think of more <laughs> vegan vegetarian ones, you know, quinoa, lentils, things like this, they're not pure protein. They're not as good as the animal version of the protein, but they're still a good source if you are vegan or vegetarian. That protein will digest way more slowly, but it also releases a substance called peptide YY, which acts as an appetite suppressant. So it basically signals to your body, to your gut, to your brain that you're full. So then you don't feel like eating more and more and more. A meal without protein, you're not gonna have those signals. You're not gonna have that long release of energy like a log on the fire. And therefore you're gonna have cravings again very quickly afterward. Another big benefit of protein as well is it's also essential to retain and build muscle. And muscle is what makes you firm and toned, as well as increasing metabolism, having more muscle increase your metabolism as well. But last but not least, here's like the clincher, this may persuade you if none of that stuff already has that protein is really important. A study found that people eating twice the kind of normal amount of protein, which is kind of what people were usually eating before they join us, um, people eating twice that normal amount, so not a crazy amount, this isn't like a bodybuilder, but it's, just, it's, it's getting protein in every meal in a reasonable amount. They lost twice as much weight in the same amount of time, everything else kept the same even when everything else was kept the same. So calories are kept the same, but doubling the protein doubled the fat loss. So if you wanna lose weight, tone up and be as healthy as possible around menopause, then you need to make sure you're consuming enough protein. And the amount you need will be unique to you. So it'll be related to your body weight, your body fat percentage, the amount of exercise you're doing. And we work this out for all of our members on our program, but here's a good rule of thumb for anyone, which is to first of all, get a source of protein with every meal, including breakfast. Most people miss out on breakfast and aim to get about 25 grams per meal minimum. So this could be a protein shake with breakfast. You can make protein oats. You can have a smoothie with a protein powder in it. I have a vegan protein powder because I don't deal with dairy very well. So there's loads of different ways to get it in breakfast. And then it could be also you have an omelet. You could use eggs, they're a great source of protein. And then lunch, for example, you could have a tuna salad. And then for dinner, you might have a tofu pad thai. Like this is just a really, you know, random example but I'm just showing you there's a source of protein in every meal there. So there's the tuna, there's the protein in the breakfast um, from the eggs or from the protein powder, depending on what you choose. And then in the dinner, there's the protein from the tofu. You could have completely different protein sources. The, the type doesn't matter too much. It's just getting the quantity and it's not 25 grams of uh, tuna. So if you weighed that tuna on the scales, it's not 25 grams, it's 25 grams of protein based on the nutritional label. So. If you look at chicken, there's about 30 grams per 100 grams of chicken because a lot of that meat is water. So you need to factor that in because I've occasionally worked with people who've gone, oh yeah, I'm getting loads of protein. I'm having 25 grams of chicken with my meal. 25 grams of chicken is not 25 grams of protein. So just wanted to make sure that's clear as well so you know exactly what to do with that. Now, all of that stuff's great, but again, if you're fighting cravings, protein will help to a certain degree, but there's another thing that will really help with cravings and it's getting enough sleep, which I know is a real challenge around menopause. But lack of quality sleep disrupts hunger hormones and leads to way worse cravings and can cause overeating the next day. So there's loads of science backing this up now. In the book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, they uh, discuss a study where people slept eight hours a night and some people slept five hours a night. And they compared these two groups, they gave them 
the same buffet and they said eat till you're full and the group sleeping five hours a night ate 300 calories more per sitting than those sleep sleeping eight hours a night which is based on the meal size of a lot of our clients that we have 500 600 calories in a meal that's double uh, so, you know it's another half a meal on top of that um of the meal in the first place and it's enough to gain about two pounds a week which adds up to almost two stone gain in three months just from lack of sleep disrupting those hunger hormones and therefore you really need to do whatever you can which i know is hard around menopause but i believe this is one of the main causes of menopause weight gain it doesn't have a huge impact on metabolism menopause but not sleeping is going to affect cravings which is then going to affect it if you can get closer you may not be able to get all the way there but it's closer to seven to eight hours of sleep a night which is what all humans need um, unless you have a very rare genetic defect they've found that that's what all people need regardless of what you think you'd still need it as you get older too people just struggle to sleep more as they get older there's a couple of things you can recommend one if you're not taking hrt speak to your doctor about hrt it may be something that will help with sleep it can often help with getting off to sleep um, when your hormones are disrupted it can make it a lot harder and you can get more night sweats which will wake you up and more hot flushes but if you aren't able to take hrt or you already are and you're still having issues with sleep another thing that can really help is taking a magnesium supplement so magnesium is essential for sleep if you don't have enough you're going to struggle to stay asleep and um, it's also essential for energy levels so it could give you a good energy boost it's not expensive i recommend magnesium citrate as the best form as it's the most bioavailable form meaning your body's actually able to absorb and use it unlike a lot of vitamins which are not so bioavailable so if you can find magnesium citrate you can get it from most um, usual places amazon holland and barrett things like that that can really help and i've had clients who were waking up at 3 or 4 a.m every single night unable to get back to sleep take a magnesium supplement and then they started sleeping through the night and their cravings were so much better their energy levels were so much better their focus at work was so much better all from that simple change so we've got sleep we've got protein we've got cutting out the wads foods we've got doing more steps we've got drinking more water there's a couple more things though that can really help to supercharge your results um, after a holiday or any point where you want to kind of get some weight off fairly quickly so the next two things are all about that. So the first one is accountability, which is essentially just having someone checking up on you and making sure you do what you said you'd do. Because let's face it, when you're stressed, when you've had a really busy week at work, the first week back after the holidays again is often full on. It's very easy to just give up and fail in private and kind of let yourself down and go, oh, you know, it was a hard week. I'll do it next week or I deserve a glass of wine. And then before you know it, it's happened week after week after week and every week you've had a good few days and then you kind of give up at the weekend and you're not quite sure what to do to fix it and without someone to say did you do what you said you do it's really really easy to do that like i think we all like to believe we can do it on our own and maybe you could when you're younger i remember even 10 years ago it was so much easier for me so i'm 33 now and i know i've got a long way to go but 10 years ago so when i was at university when me and ben started the business um 10 12 years ago when we were started to go to the gym we had way less responsibility and it was way easier to stay consistent and life was much more simple and your body's working more optimally your life is less complicated it's easy to stay consistent but as you get older you've got more complications and in my experience a lot of clients around menopause have tons of things to battle with not only have they progressed in their career a lot of the time so they've actually got more stress reporting to directors you know an email inbox that is never ending and constantly filling up and they've also got um, 
often aging parents that they're caring for and perhaps grown up children or children who are still at school to deal with as well, it's pretty full on. And doing it alone is really, really hard in that situation. And if you could already have done it, you probably would have already done it. So in order to succeed, to succeed with any difficult achievement in life, especially when things are more complicated, it's harder to prioritize. Some form of accountability is essential in my experience. Like I even have, as, as a fitness expert, I've been in this industry 10 years, I know what I should be doing. I have a weightlifting coach because I know on my own, I would skip the sessions, I would write it and doubt myself, and I would probably just end up being really, really inconsistent. So ever since the company's grown, we've got a team of 12, actually just will be 13 from next week. Um, in meetings all the time, on the phone all the time. Like I just don't have the time or headspace to be coming up with my own workout program anymore. So having that accountability, having someone to put together something for you to follow and then to hold you accountable to sticking to it can make all of the difference. And I don't recommend this as someone who's a friend or family member because it just doesn't really work. That's not their full-time job. So they're not gonna be really, really relentless with it. And often they will let you off the hook. So if it's a friend, they'll often let you off the hook and say, oh, yes, sod it, let's go and get a takeaway. And if it's a family member, they may do the same thing, or you may just perceive them as nagging you. And I tend to find if someone feels like they're being nagged, they will actually push back and do the opposite. So it can actually make things worse, not better. Ideally, it needs to be someone partial, someone you respect, and ideally someone who's experienced in what you're trying to achieve. So that if they've seen the problem that you've got, they've probably seen it 100 times before. Just like our coaches have seen everything, they've worked with hundreds of clients over the years, they quickly can easily can just say, this is the solution to that problem. Here's what we're gonna do. And then you don't have to try and figure it all out on your own. Now, the last thing I'd recommend you do is probably one you've not heard before, which is something called loss aversion theory. And I recommend you leverage this wherever possible because human psychology is really fascinating. And often what we think should motivate us doesn't. A lot of the time we have people coming to us say, why can't I get motivated to do this on my own? Well, first of all, probably lacking accountability that I've just talked about, but secondly, a lot of time they've got nothing to lose by giving up other than weight, obviously. But interestingly with weight loss, we'll come on to this, but the weight loss is, is kind of a gain, not a loss. So loss aversion is an important concept. It's associated um, with what's called prospect theory and it's encapsulating the expression, losses loom larger than gains. Say that again, losses loom larger than gains. It's a bit of a tongue twister. But it's basically thought that the pain of losing something. So imagine losing 10 pounds, a 10 pound note back in the day when we carried cash around all the time. Um, the pain of losing that 10 pound note is psychologically about twice as powerful as the pleasure of gaining something. So finding a 10 pound note. So losing something is a hell of a lot more painful psychologically. So we will avoid that loss a lot more than we will um, seek out that gain. Now, slightly confusingly, as I said, in the context of weight loss, losing weight is that gain because it's you getting something more um, in terms of not gaining more weight, but feeling more confident, being able to wear the things you want to wear. It's perceived as progress. So we can leverage this to our advantage. So a lot of the time, just losing weight, even though we know we'd feel better, like I speak to so many clients every single week. I had six phone calls on Tuesday with, with clients. I speak to them after four weeks. I had uh, I have six more today. On Tuesday, everyone was saying, I cannot believe how much better I feel. My mood is so much better. My clothes are fitting so much better. I already feel way more toned. And this is after four weeks. A lot of people were, I think the, the, the record was, was just as, as was it a stone and eight pounds, something crazy, but someone had more weight to lose, lost in four weeks already. 
Um, so people had seen all of these changes, but a lot of them were not, you know, they said, oh, I was thinking about joining for quite a long time before I did, because that prospect of gaining all those things, of feeling better, looking better, isn't as motivating as avoiding losing something. But once you've actually invested, and a few people have said this to me, there you're fully committed because you do not want to lose the money. That's that loss aversion theory in practice. So going, okay, I spent a significant money amount of money on this thing. I'm now going to commit to it. And I actually had this recently. So I did a five-week meditation course. I've done a few in the past, but I wanted to reconnect with uh, Ascension Meditation, which is the type of meditation I did. Um, I trained in initially. So I spent £400 on a five-week meditation course, which is quite expensive considering it's just five Zoom calls. But because I spent £400, I showed up to all the calls and I went from meditating five to 10 minutes a day sporadically to going back to what it should be, which is 20 minutes a day, once or twice a day. And I was actually doing 20 to 30 minutes a day and I still am um, once or twice a day now and feel so much better for it. But I wouldn't, wasn't able to do this on my own. But once I spent that money, I really didn't want to waste that money. So that's that loss aversion theory in action going, well, that's been put into this now. I do not want to lose it because that's painful. So I'm going to now follow through and actually do the thing I know I should have already been doing because I knew I would feel better for doing that meditation, but I just wasn't doing it on my own. So that was that accountability plus that loss aversion theory in action. So we've covered a lot today. I've covered all of the seven points I'd recommend you do if you want to lose five, 10 pounds quickly around menopause, whether that's after a holiday or another point, just to recap what they are for you. Number one, cut out the WADS foods, wheat, alcohol, dairy, and sugar for one to two weeks, ideally two. That's gonna give you a massive boost and get cravings back under control. Number two, drink more water. Ideally drink uh, water with each meal and then a bottle in the morning, bottle in the afternoon, get a good water bottle. Number three, get over 5,000 steps a day, every day, whether that's being creative and walking around on phone calls, getting a 15 minute walk in at lunch. It doesn't need to be a lot, parking slightly further away from the supermarket. It will burn way more calories than some brutal exercise over time in a way that's way more gentle on the body, which will work better around menopause. Number four, gain, get 25 grams of protein in every meal. So protein in every meal is the key thing there. Number five, aim for seven to eight hours of sleep a night. If needs be, try a magnesium supplement or discuss HRT with your doctor. Number six, get some accountability. Without it, it's so easy to fail on your own. Number seven, invest, uh, invest in something to leverage loss aversion theory and that will supercharge your motivation. So that may sound like a lot to do. I know there's seven steps there and there's actually a few more things you could also do like doing the right type of exercise for you um, once you've got those things nailed. But inside our Fit Over 40 program, we basically break it down into small weekly steps and people often lose five to 10 pounds within their first few weeks. But look, don't just take it from me. I know I'm obviously biased, I'm very passionate about what we do. Here's a, uh, a brand new testimonial through from one of our clients, Jo. So she's 56 and she's a leadership coach based in, uh, based in Woking. So that's in Surrey in the South. And she said, I've been blown away by how much my body and mindset has changed since joining Trinity. My body started changing immediately. I lost half stone really quickly. And even in the first two weeks was really shocked to find when I got up in the morning, my backs and legs, my back and legs no longer ached, which they had done for ages. My relationship to alcohol has changed to a baffling degree. I used to drink every day during lockdown and always love wine, but somehow the education and consistent rethinking that the program provides, along with the focus on diet and daily calorie intake, means I just don't want to choose it anymore. I now look at wine and think that's stress, cortisol, sugar, and weight gain all in one glass, and I just don't want one, and I feel so good about it because I'm looking after me. 
One part of the program that's a game changer is having a coach and the fact I have to check in with my coach. Danny, oh, check in with my coach Danny every week, sorry. I totally revolutionized the level of personal accountability I have for how I take care of myself. She's provided incredible motivation, reassurance, expertise, and perspective during the easy and tough times, including providing me with diet options when I was out of ideas, diet options that should have been, making suggestions and sending so many links with alternative exercise to do when I injured my foot or when I was really ill with tonsillitis. She's just been a rock. And for me, having a personal coach who is with you for the whole journey is one of the most inspired and effective elements of the whole program. In terms of success, my body has transformed. I've dropped a whole dress side inside two months and I'm nine stone 11. I haven't been a nine stone anything since I was 30. I've been buying new clothes in a small or size eight to 10 when I was heading for a 14 prior to Trinity. And I've had the joyful experience of digging out lovely dresses and trousers that I haven't worn for 10 years. I'm also shocked that in month four, when I saw my arms accidentally in the mirror, they were slim, leaned, toned, slim, lean, toned and sculpted. I stared at them and flexed them for ages. I've always wanted arms like these and I didn't even have it as a goal, but there they were looking impressive. I started wearing sleeveless vest tops this summer to show them off, which is a bonus and I know I look great. Try it, you'll be gobsmacked at how quickly your body and mind can change and with the amazing support from the Trinity staff and all the other girls on the program, you'll be achieving more than you imagined faster than you believed. So there you have it. I couldn't say it any better myself. That's from Joe. It's actually just an excerpt from a testimonial. She wrote a lot more um, that I believe Ben will be sharing in some emails around uh, this time as well. But if you want to find out more about the plan that Joe followed, along with thousands of other women who lost one to stone or one to dress size in 12 weeks or less, go to www.fit40info.com. So thank you for listening to today's episode of the Trinity Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to hit that subscribe button inside your podcast app so you don't miss future shows. And also please leave us a quick review. It only takes two minutes. We do all of these shows completely for free to help you. So we'd really appreciate a quick review if it's helped you at all. So thank you again so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for the next episode of the Trinity Podcast.